believe your own instruments. It's Toby Haydock's Who's Round. Avail myself of the facilities later. You need to spend a penny before you go. <laughs> well, I'm being, I've been picked up from the station. I can't believe how kind uh, and open people are to this crazy project of mine. Uh, and I've been, uh, it's, what a delight to meet another very friendly person who's going to talk to me about this crazy show. So I'm going to ask her to tell me who she is and why I'm talking to her about Doctor Who. Well, my name is June Bland. And I did four episodes of Earthshock with Peter Davison, I think in 1981. And, uh, and then I was invited to do uh, three more in Earthshock with Sylvester. No, mm. not Sylvester Latouzel. Not Sylvester. No, not no. So, no, 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 I'm giving her a cheap <laughs> you, 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 plug here. Yeah. I know her very well and I was with her the other day. Um, Sylvester McCoy. Yes, in Battlefield. In Battlefield, yes. yes. Well, let's, let's start with Earthshock, shall we? So um, how, how did you come to be on a space freighter with Butch Space Captain Beryl Reed? I don't know, because I was in Me and My Girl at the time, doing three years, and because I'd done so much West End musical, I wanted to come out and do a bit more telly, like I'd done before this. And um, I think it was John Nathan Turner, actually, who contacted me and said, uh, could I do this uh, with Beryl Reed, Peter Grimwade directing, I believe. Um, yes, yes, I said. Um, lovely to do the moment I came out of Me and My Girl. So that was great. Did the four episodes. And um, well, that, that's really... A... I remember being quite... Str- I think it's quite nice in that story. I mean, I think Beryl Reed is interesting casting... But you as her first officer, that sort of part in a show like Doctor Who in the 1980s was traditionally a, a, a bloke, a sort of male part. And I, it's quite nice yes. that you've got that, that different yes. dynamic it going was, on. It was certainly different, yes, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there were times when the, uh, the rocket's supposed to have been rocking <laughs> and we had to run Yay. from one side of the set <laughs> to the other. You know, and of course the Daleks. Are, it, I think it was the return of the Daleks. The Cybermen. That, the Cybermen. Cybermen. Yeah. Cybermen. Why don't I get my script right? That's all right. The <laughs> Cybermen. A little bit scary in the studio, the Cybermen, because they were so big and so real, you know. And tall, yeah. Absolutely, yes. But the whole thing was really quite an experience for me, which was wonderful. Uh, Grimwade, I mean, it's, it's a very fast-paced adventure, Earthshock, again, for the television of the time. Peter Grimwade seems to have been a director that actors didn't necessarily warm to because he was very busy about getting the shots and the technical side of You're it. You're absolutely right, and I think that was why Beryl Reed didn't warm to him at all. Right. <laughs> Bless her heart. Um, but uh, I, I just found the whole thing exciting, so I did what I was told. <laughs> I, I once met James Warwick, who's also in Oh, yes, um, yes. Behind stage at a theatre, because I had a misspent youth. Yeah. And he said... I said, what was it like working with Beryl Reed? And he said, oh, it was great, but um, he said she didn't know what she was doing. Well, <laughs> no, bless her. <laughs> and, and he said she had a line about entering warp drive. Yeah, oh, <laughs> 
darling, we did it so many times. I think I had to say that several times too, and I think they actually gave me some of her lines because she, we just kept corpsing all the time, every time we had to go into warp drive and be serious. So just off the old Kent Road. That, that, was, that, was <laughs> that was great fun, though, great fun. And what about Peter, Peter Davison as the Doctor? It was his first year, but he's a, he's a fine actor, isn't he, Peter? Lovely, lovely. Well, I knew Peter before that um, from my personal life, um, having met him, of course, through all creatures, casting and stuff like that. And uh, so I knew him vaguely, but he was charming, absolutely charming. He was the youngest Doctor by quite a mile at that Was point. he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, because they'd always Yes, been... I suppose John Pertwee and... Uh, Tom Baker, Tom Patrick Baker, Trout, and yes, William Hartnell. Yes, yeah. So quite a departure. Yeah. He's, he's a much better actor than his looks. I think so, a, a, as with a, Sylvester, I think. Mm -hmm. um, because when one first meets Sylvester, you think, oh, <laughs> this is very different, very, very different. But you see, each one, they made it their own, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. As you have to. And so was working with Sylvester an experience. He's a more he's a more instinctive actor, really, isn't he? Yes, it was mostly film work, outdoor on location, at uh, in Rutland at a lovely Rutland hotel, mm -hmm. which was great fun. All this these army lorries and stuff, you know. And you had to be blind. I was blind, yes, and for that, I had to learn how to wear contact lenses, because I don't wear contact lenses. And uh, they sent me to a place in London uh, where I had the measured, opaque contact lenses, which I had to learn how to put on. So every day before I went to rehearsal, I was sitting with my saucer of water trying to get these in. But the problem was, once I'd got one in, I couldn't see to get the other <laughs> one in, you see, because they were opaque. But I did master it. But they were not easy to wear. I mean, not... On this, well, we did go into the studio, of course we did, to do the final scenes. Um, there had to be a, an ophthalmologist, is mm -hmm. that optometrist? Yeah. What, what, what are they called? Ophthalmologist, yeah. Um, keeping an, an eye <laughs> on me, uh, because the eyes dry up, so you see, in the studio. And I had to keep blinking, getting them watered. And uh, I was very pleased when I got to the line, I can see. Yes. <laughs> It's a, I have to say, it's a really nice scene. What I love about Doctor Who is that it always gives space for the characters to breathe. And you have that, and you, you, you're blind, and then to show that the villain is not just a villain, mm. she repays the hospitality. Yes. Um, so that's quite... Jean a, Marsh. Yeah. Yes. And, and how is Jean? Because she always plays these villains. I've met her. She's lovely. Oh, she is lovely. Yes, yes. She keeps herself a little remote when she's working, I think. Um... Well, that was my feeling mm -hmm. about it, but we weren't together terribly much. But you, you, yeah, you were married to Noel Collins, who, of course, done Juliet I Bravo. I was, yes, I was. And, yes. uh, and uh, Jimmy Ellis is in it as well. Yes, I mean, good lovely actors Jimmy. In Doctor Who. Yes, because they love working in it, you see. Why do you think that is? I don't know. The excitement, the standard. I mean, the standard is so good, isn't it? And conditions are good, and it's exciting, it's different. And I don't think the money's too bad either. And and people are so interested in it. If you were in it years and years ago, I mean, normally uh, your public think, oh, well, that was, that was a long time ago. I don't know about that. But they do know about this. Do you, Can you account for why that is? I mean, is it to your taste as a viewer? No. 
So do you know why... Not anymore. Do you know why... Ah, not anymore because of how it is now? Yes. Why is that? I don't know. For me, it's lost its magic. But maybe I've just grown old. No, it's fine. You don't have to... Maybe I've just grown old. I can respect the programme. I think it is very, very well done. Very professionally done. Um, But um, it doesn't hold me anymore. Maybe because I can see behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But it was a fun job to do when you did it. Great. I loved it. And it came just in time. Just in time in terms of... Just in time because I'd done so much West End musicals. Uh, I'd done telly before that, the newcomers, you know, for four Mm -hmm. years, and oh, lots and lots of telly. And then I decided I wanted to go into musicals, so I started off at Chichester and uh, did a season there in 1977 uh, with Ingrid Bergman in Waters of the Moon. How was that? Which went into the um, Haymarket Theatre, Theatre Royal. Do you ever get to know a star like that, even when you're working with her on stage? Yes, she was lovely. I mean, I did another Chichester (coughs) season in 1982 with John Mills. My goodness. Picture on my wall, my toilet wall. I'm definitely going to, I'm going to live there. And Glynis Johns, (laughs) she's there as well, yes. No, I've worked with some lovely, lovely big people. And of the, who, in terms of, we all, we've all had actors that we enjoy working with because they're nice people and good company members. Mm. But who are the who are the ones that you looked at as performers that you that made you go, wow, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm sharing a stage with this person. Well, Ingrid Bergman, of course. I mean, that actually goes without saying. All the older ones, of course, because I respect. You see, there was John Mills learning how to tap dance for Goodbye, Mr. Chips, and he had a very arthritic leg. So he was working against quite a lot there. It's that sort of thing that I admire, really. Not just the talent, mm-hmm. but the fact that they still are getting out there and doing it. And, and learning something new. Absolutely, yes. And that's the secret, really, isn't it? Yeah. Just keep going. Oh, I think the good, the good actors are never as good as they want to be. No. Because you can see an actor who thinks he's brilliant. Yes. It's always a really conceited and that's dull right. performance. That's right. I mean, I did, I followed that Doctor Who, the Earthshot, with A Year in Anything Goes, um, having made the decision not to go back and do any more West End musicals. But I did that with Elaine Page. I loved her. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't. But I did. She was lovely. So what, what was it that made you like her and other people not like her? I think she is a true professional, and she expected everybody else to be. So had, has, was singing something you did, did? So what came first, acting or singing? Or well, I don't know. I started as a child dancing at four, and then when I was eight, the war started, and I was entertaining the troops with my own little comedy turn. That, I mean, Nellie Wallace, does that na- name yes. mean anything to yes. you? I had a lesson with Nellie Wallace when I was eight in London. My mother took me to London how to deliver comedy. I loved comedy because that's what I prefer, actually. And uh, I entertained the troops. I was actually picked up from school when I was eight, taken in an army lorry as part of a concert party. And um, th- th- this is this is what I... Somebody did this of me. Oh, my goodness. From a photograph. (laughs) So I used to do all Nellie Wallace's numbers. Oh, fantastic. Until I was 16. And then I managed to get into a rather tatty 
Canto Tour. And I went into the business at that point as a professional. So then I was singing and dancing. But then I, did, I went into television after rep. Mm -hmm. Did a lot of rep. That's, that's what it was about, really. Weekly rep, that's Bill and I. He's probably said, has he? We did four or five years in Derby rep. That's right. Weekly, yeah. different play every week. I mean, there's nothing better. It's good training ground. It is. You don't get a chance to develop, but at least you get the discipline. Mm -hmm. and, and were you uh, doing good stuff? Oh, yes. Fabulous stuff, yes. John Dexter was in our company. Oh, not bad. And John Osborne. Ah, okay. Was he was he angry then, or was he? Yes. He and his, his first wife, Pamela Lane, who he yeah. was with then, was our son's godmother. You wouldn't know it, but she was. Wow. Oh. Um, so yes. So that was that was a wonderful, wonderful company. And then we moved to Northampton Rep, and there I had two more children, and I did special weeks, and he went in as um, assistant director, I think. And from there, he went to the BBC because we needed security with three children. Mm. So when he moved to television, I moved to television and I started doing bits. So it was mainly television before I actually picked up my singing and dancing again. And did you enjoy television? Because it's, it's, it's different, isn't it? It's, uh, I, uh, yes. Yes, I enjoyed it because it is different. And uh, it's, um, it's quick. You know, you're not having to go out every night and turn out every night and do a performance. But there's nothing quite like the theatre. No. And hearing that audience, is there? No, no. Not really. But doing live television, you've got the, 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 the nerves of there is an audience watching, but you can't see them, and you've got yeah. to hit your marks. We started The Newcomers Live mm. at Lime Grove. Robert Brown, who played my husband... I could tell when he was going to dry because the sweat came out on his top lip. So I thought well, I'd better say his next line. But you know what they did in those days in the studio when you dried? The AFM went around with a button on a lead. So if you dried, the button was pressed, which actually switched off everybody's set, the sound, for that moment while you were given the prompt. Amazing. Extraordinary. It worked. Extraordinary. Wendy Richard played my daughter right. in The Newcomers. Right, a very early job for her then. Yes, yes. She came into the dressing room one day and said, June, could you teach me how to speak proper? <laughs> I said, no, darling, no, because not. you will make a fortune with that voice. And, of course, she did. And was, was it a happy show, The Newcomers? Because the, the Newcomers is a very difficult one because there's only... I've seen the existing episodes and there's about four. I know. I've got a clip of, of the wedding here, one wedding, that's all. Because they destroyed it. The BBC do that mm. every so often. They clear it out. And there'd have been some nice repeats if they yeah. hadn't done that. And is it right that it was two episodes a week and one was live and one was recorded? Uh, both were live to begin with and then both became recorded. Right, because we moved up to Birmingham, to Gloucester Green, where the studios were originally before Pebble Mill. And was there ever any worry about 
the idea of doing a soap because the soap was a relatively new concept then and, and, and now actors you know have that dilemma of well I'll be typecast and and soap was sometimes looked down upon by certain members of the profession whereas now it's yeah, the only work yeah. that a lot of actors get. That's right I mean yes it was lovely to be in the soap I loved the recognition every time I went into the ladies loo and stuff like that loved it but when I went to do a commercial Heinz baked beans they I didn't get it because my face was too well known. Now, it doesn't matter, does it, if you're in a soap? That, it doesn't affect that at all. No. In, in fact, fact they like it. In yeah. fact, they like it, yeah. yes. Um, so, uh, what other, what other um, televisions do you, do you sort of recall enjoying? Were there any directors that you particularly enjoyed working with? On, yes, on I, did, I did six months of The Doctors, it was called, with John Neville. Richard Leach. Ah, was he deaf then? Yes. And uh, a lady called Linda Marshall, who is now Linda Laplante. So, yes, I enjoyed that. That was great. I did, uh, oh, all the light entertainments. Arthur Haynes, Dick Emery. Steptoe and Son. So do you have, was was, was Steptoe and Son a happy set? Did you enjoy that? Yes, I did. I did. I think that uh, anything to do with Tony Hancock was difficult. Um, I mean, I worked with him live. I did Panto, 1950, at the Theatre Royal Nottingham, with Julie Andrews playing Red Riding Hood, age 12, and Tony Hancock playing Simple Simon. And uh, she was lovely, and he wasn't. Very, very difficult, bless him. But could but you see the sick. root of it? Some pe- some people are difficult and you just go, oh, I, I don't like you. But some people you go, but I can see where you're coming from. Did he oh, have a tragedy y- about well, him? Yes, he did. Yes, and that's what it was about, really. He came out of his dressing room, went on stage and then went back to his dressing room. And that was sad. So when, when he... I mean, I, end, if I say it was surprised. difficult, it was only difficult. Uh, no, he wasn't difficult. The atmosphere was difficult. So it was no surprise when he he ended the no. way that he did. No. But it's because one of the strange coincidences about this project that I've been doing that has had all sorts of strange coincidences occur is that I managed to get hold of you and I spoke to you on the phone and a week later I'm at my comedy club where I compare and we always have two young comedians who have not played the club before and I'd spoken to you and within a week on the regular Tuesday night, this young man says, yeah, I've got a strange question to ask you, but have you just spoken to... Uh, and he was the co- who had been booked, you know, eight months in advance or whatever. Yes. Um, so you liked the comedy, you did the comedy, Bill did some comedy, and your grandson uh, is now a stand-up comedian. Yes. Yes, so, that's, that, that is amazing, that he is a stand-up comedian. Uh, amazing because, because you've seen him grow up as a little boy. And yes, and he, he found... Getting out in front of people, very difficult, always. He was much happier on his own. So this has been so brilliant for him, you know, to be able to do this. I think what a lot of people don't understand is actually that most comedians are quite shy. He is desperately, Mm. yes. So I actually haven't seen him work yet. So watch this space for Jordan Brooks. He does deserve it. He really does, bless him. And uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll watch this space, listeners. And was the BBC quite a nurturing place, do you think, for, for sort of Ellie talent, you know, or, or was it, were there just more opportunities, or I don't know? The BBC? Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. I did a lot of ITV, ATV work in those days, ITV. Um, I think the BBC was very clicky, mm -hmm. actually. I think I found that. Um, but fortunately, I was, I was in, so that, that was okay. Well, there's a brilliant thing about cliques. Um, when we talked before we started recording about the Royal Exchange Theatre, where your... Um, My granddaughter, that's Scarlett Brooks, Jordan's sister. Okay, we, there's a whole family to be monitoring now. <laughs> and she's done very well. She's done bits of telly and theatre, and she was at the Exchange. Um, I, the first... I was trying to get into the exchange for many years and my agent kept saying the problem with the exchange is they're very clicky i then went for an audition at the royal exchange and i got the job and she ran up and said you've got the job and i went brilliant and she said i know it's fantastic news because they're very loyal like, <laughs> 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 that's very interesting last week <laughs> it was a very different no, depending no, on what side of the fence going with the flow isn't it yes wonderful yeah it's amazing yes. one word two words can i know. Be very different things. but you know that Clicky, it's, it's a funny old word, isn't it? Cause, because sometimes you can place yourself outside without being aware that you are doing it, particularly if you're shy. Mm -hmm. And Scarlett is shy as well. She's awfully afraid of not getting in your face. So she goes the other way just a bit, mm -hmm. you know, but she... Uh, uh, Good kids, nice kids. Yes, it's a shame that actually, but sort of bravado is encouraged, um, mm. so that then when you hear stories about stars who are very pushy, you go, well, mm. the, the the system has created. Absolutely, that. yes. I think you you've got to find that balance, haven't you? When you go for the audition or the interview, whatever it is, you've got to be yourself confidently, mm -hmm. and that's hard. That is very hard. It is. It is. So when, but when you look at your career, I mean, you, you did, you've done it all. So yes, do, I have. Do you look back and go, uh, how, with a lot of sort of joy at the different things yes. that you did? Yes, I loved it. I, I loved every minute of it. And did you work pretty consistently? Not bad. Yeah? Not bad, yes. Yes, of course, it's a lovely time when they ask for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where I got in the West End musical scene, as well as with television. Well, I mean, but that, I mean, I think that's the, the great achievement, though, is, uh, because certainly from my experience of the business, a, a lot of women who worked early in their career stopped. You know, it's a harder mm. business, I think, mm. if you're a woman. Mm. Um, mm. So what do you think it was that, that meant that you managed to keep, keep going? I don't know. I mean, after the newcomers, when you, you talked about faces being familiar because it was so familiar and uh, yes people were saying you're too well known as Vera Harker I decided to become an agent I was an agent for six years oh. an actress friend of mine we talked about it and lovely lovely old actors like Julian Summers Dorothy Gordon Lawrence Payne lovely people said well if you do we'll come with you Oh, really? So we became J&L management, and uh, I thought I could do both. But I'm afraid casting directors told me I couldn't, because they wouldn't know how to think of me, of course. So I actually gave up the idea of acting during those six six years. And how was it being on the other side then? As strange, strange. But I loved it. I loved the negotiating. 
of the contracts. And much stuff. easier when you're not doing it for you, I'm sure. Yes, much easier. So that was where that was my role really. We set up an office in a bedroom and we ran from there. And we were all over the place seeing people working and taking people on and that that, that was exciting too. That was very, to very different. Work. Yeah, yeah. Well, we did, darling. We did <laughs> in those mad? days. I mean, this is this is 1970. I'm talking about, and it was after that um, when my my partner became poorly and had to pull out, and I had reached a point where I really didn't want to go on on my own. <clears throat> I wanted to go back to performing, and of course, because I'd pulled out of what was a very, very good career. Uh, to get back, the casting people said, well, I, okay, June, but you haven't worked for six years, you know, so how am I to think of you? But dear Robert Selby, who was casting for Chichester in 1977, this was the Ingrid Bergman mm -hmm. season, said, well, okay, we're doing The Boyfriend. No, it wasn't The Boyfriend, I'm so sorry, it was Valmouth, it was Sandy Wilson's Valmouth, with John Dexter directing who I'd worked with in rep, and uh, I got into that. And I went in as an understudy, which I'd never, ever done before. I thought, well, I've got to start at the bottom of the ladder again, haven't I? Yeah. Oh, so you'd been a TV star, yes. starting, and you went back and started yes. right at the bottom. I swallowed very hard, but wonderful company, and I understood it. Understood it. <laughs> that's a good one. As, as well, Bertie's Redding, big black bogey of a woman, and uh, it was a tremendous show. Valmouth, Robert Helpman in it. Oh, childcare. Simon Butteris, lovely, lovely people, and um, uh, Bertie's was. Uh, we had a, a night to remember of theatre, because it was the first Saturday. I hadn't had an understudy rehearsal. There were 11 numbers, and the whole show, she carries the whole show, and I hadn't had a rehearsal, but I had learnt it. Every goddamn word. We got to the first Saturday of the first week, with Cameron McIntosh, all of the men, Andrew Lloyd Webber, all in full evening dress, doing my makeup in the dressing room, over the tannoy, Patrick Garland says, could everybody come to the green room, please? Fenella Fielding, Doris Hare, all wonderful, wonderful people. We all piled there. Bertice had had a heart attack. Everybody looked at me, of course. And Patrick said, you don't have to go on because you haven't had a rehearsal. Fenella says, oh, do go on, darling. I'll move you around, you know. <laughs> Doris Hare said, oh, go on, you can do it, you can do it. They said I could hold the script, which I did, but I didn't look at it. So within five minutes, I was in Bertice's dressing room, big black bogey clothes, pinned in six inches either side, browned up to look like Lena Horne, waiting at the back of the VOM in Chichester, for seven minutes of opening chorus to come down those steps singing the first number. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I did it. I did the whole show. Wonderful applause, standing ovation, people coming round. And I, I, afterwards I said, did I do that? So that was tremendous. But from then on, what I'm leading up to is 
but East was off a lot, so I finally took over the part, which is what happened to me when Sandy Wilson asked me to do The Boyfriend in town, and I took over from Anna Quayle. So that broke my understudying, because Cameron gave me the part. That's interesting because that is so rare. I, you know, the, I know, the whole cliche about un the understudy who goes on and it and it works out. I know. Even, I've actually for this podcast, I've spoken to a couple of guys who understudied at the Royal Shakespeare Company and went on and did brilliantly, and then weren't even were invited mm. to audition to play as cast for the next that's season. Right. You know. Well, that's what happened with me and my girl, because you're too good. You are so good as an understudy, they have to keep you there, and that happens. But. Mm. I broke that. So thank God I did. Because then I went back to telly and did, you know, and I was back on course. Mm -hmm. do, you did you find, do you find it odd when people like me get in touch and say, um, yeah, you know how you were in Doctor Who years ago, you know, can we talk about it? And I know we've talked about conventions and things like that. I mean, do you think it's, do you think it's slightly odd, the grip that this strange little show has? Yes. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Because there isn't another show no. that does that. No. So isn't that amazing? So what is it? I don't know. I think... It has to be those first episodes that have created this. Because without those, you wouldn't have this, mm -hmm. would you? No. So it's, it was obviously the, the casting, the intrigue, the script, everything that went... With those first episodes, um, and so what? Because you were in because Battlefield was actually the uh, the, the end of Doctor. It was the last year of Doctor Who. It was taken off after that, and yes. obviously you knew John Nathan Turner, who I was did. the last producer of Doctor Who, yes. and therefore something of a controversial figure. Mm. So, what what are your memories of John? Because a lot of people liked him, but said he perhaps shouldn't have been producing when Doctor Who. I liked Who. him. I knew him socially as well. Um, so I, yes, I kind of liked him from that, I suppose. So we had a very different relationship, mm -hmm. I think, John and I. We laughed a lot together. Yes. You know. Yeah. Because he, yeah, he, he seems to have been great fun, but also mm. under a lot of pressure from the BBC because he of was. Doctor Who. He was, yes. Um, yes. I'm, I'm not sure if he was the right producer for it, but it's, it was difficult for me to judge because, you know, I, I did know him. Yes. And he had cast me, so who am I? Oh, so you, you, you can never <laughs> criticise the taste of somebody that's cast you. And so, uh, so after Doctor Who, after Battlefield, what, what, what's happened between then and now? There's a lot of, uh, lot of water under the bridge between then and now, so... Well, yes, I suppose. Yes, so what year was Battlefield? That was 1989. Yes, well, I did uh, Oklahoma for Bill Kenwright. Um which went up to Liverpool Playhouse, Bill Kenwright and Cameron Mackintosh. Um, it was, I suppose it was mainly, mainly theatre that I started doing. But, of course, I was in at the very beginning of Stagecoach Theatre Arts when that started. In fact, that started in my house. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Um, the idea... I, it wasn't my idea, but the office was in my house. So I kind of, I think I was doing Oklahoma at the time, I set up their agency for them. And I, I found that Stagecoach was creeping in a bit. 
um, and I was getting more involved with that. So there was an overlap of theatre and stagecoach theatre arts. And then I found myself just doing the odd bits of telly and a little more stagecoach theatre arts. So that's where I kind of finish up mm -hmm. with that. I do run the local little barn theatre in West Moulsey as well. I'm doing, I direct panto, I'm doing a panto for them every year. No, so it's still, do it. oh, it's, God, yes. it never leaves you then. No, 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 I'm still doing that. Brilliant. <clears throat> well, look, um, I've exceeded the time I said I would spend with you, as I always do, but I'm very grateful to you for, for sharing oh, it's your It's been lovely. Uh, so I have the two final <coughs> questions, which are first is the <coughs> nomination of your charity, because you've kindly given your time and nobody's paid for this. So we're going to ask you listeners, as we always do, to donate to June's charity, which is... Yes, the Macmillan Nurses, please. And I will do a link. Thank you. Afterwards, in yes. my outro. And the final question is, it, Doctor was 50 years old this year. It started on the 23rd of November, 1963, the day after the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And people are still watching it. And some of those who are watching it, the, more, the, the most loyal of those that are still watching it, <laughs> listen to this podcast. So what is your message to those Doctor Who fans out there? Stay with it. Stay with it. It's, it's a success. So always stay with the success and enjoy. Well, uh, June Bell, you've made it very, very easy uh, for me to interview you and you've been very kind to let me into your home. Uh, so it remains for me to say only thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Toby. It's been a pleasure. Bless you. <laughs> that was brilliant. Thank oh, you. Oh, darling, I'm not very good under no, these conditions. Great. That's absolutely I can never great. remember everything I've done. Thanks to Richard Marson for kickstarting the process that facilitated this interview and indeed the next one for which there is a trailer shortly. But uh, those of you who know your stuff may be able to guess who that is with because the next edition was recorded on the same day and in the same house as the one you've just listened to. That's coming up shortly. Before that, though, I'd like to thank June and point you in the way of her charity, which is Macmillan Cancer Support, www.macmillan.org.uk. Okay, here's the trailer for the next one. But thanks for listening to this one. Goodbye. We were left without scraps. What scenery was being built, costumes were being designed, and I was ready to start rehearsal. And he said, no, we're not doing it. So the panic station, what do I go to rehearsal next week? What do I do? And new to the BBC, I'd only been there for about a month or six weeks. And um, I thought, well, well, we'll just have to do it. So my, my script editor, not the writer, the script editor, the writer had gone to America, he couldn't be bothered. But the script, my script editor said, I will have to write four new scripts. So he went at home and he wrote four new scripts. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, The Omega Factor. Omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet, the end. In this case, the end of scientific knowledge. We are asking you to go further than that end, beyond the end, to the Omega Factor.
and further. Big Finish. We love stories.